Hey mamas, this is Playfully Faithful Parenting, and I'm your host, Joy Wenling. I'm a seminary grad and children's and family minister turned stay-at-home mom to my five girls. Spiritual parenting is my calling, and it's my passion to help other mamas disciple their kids using the power of play and their own authentic daily walk with Christ. If you're a mama who wants to introduce your kids to Jesus and watch as the Holy Spirit transforms their lives, this is the place for you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's dive in and see how we can partner with God today. Mamas, oh my gosh, it is episode 73 of Playfully Faithful Parenting, and I have on here Yancey. Yancey, like she took time to talk to little old me. Oh my gosh, my kids are going crazy in the other room right now. Four weeks, they have been like, Mommy Yancey is going to be on your podcast. If you do not think this is a big deal, you do not know Yancey. So go check her out. Your kids will love her and you will enjoy listening to her music as well. We mostly listen on Right Now Media and um, just love her little praise party And it's just been so fun to have an opportunity to talk to her. So here you go. It is a great conversation about using music to teach our kids about worship. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today, Yancy. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Would you please um, just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. So my name is Yancey. That's my real first name. And I make music for kids. So I have been making music this fall. Actually, I will celebrate 25 years of recording music and traveling and doing concerts and stuff. But really kind of coming up on the last 14 to 15 years have been focused on music for kids. And so I do that a couple different ways. I have a series called Little Praise Party that's geared for younger age kids. Those songs are just more simple and active and repetitive and fun. And then I do some worship resources as well for even preteen and elementary kids and um, do that with a series called Kidman Worship and just am passionate about about worship and leading kids in worship. And so I'm blessed. I get to travel and do family concerts and some, you know, Christmas family concerts and stuff like that. And it's just a blast. So I love to make Jesus loud through my music and yeah, here we are. Yes. That's awesome. I know uh, we used a lot of your music, even when I was in Kidman over 10 years Mm -hmm. ago. And so, um, it's just such an honor to be talking with you today. And um, I'm just so excited to have this conversation about children and worship. So yeah. do, you, do you believe that kids can authentically worship God? I do. I believe they can. Um, I will never forget the day I, I have... I mean, I'll give this disclaimer. I've grown up around children's ministry my whole life. My dad worked at um, churches doing children's ministry. And so, you know, all of my memories are centered around kids and church and, and stuff. Um, 
I always knew I was put on this earth to do music and it took a lot of years before those two things kind of melded together. But I'll never forget the day that I came across a verse in the Bible. At this time, I was actually on staff at church, kind of overseeing worship for student ministry and young adults and kids and kind of had my hands in worship for a lot of ages. Um, but I came across this verse in the Bible, Psalms 8, 1 and 2. In the message translation, it says, God, brilliant Lord, yours is a household name, nursing infants, gurgle choruses about you, and toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence atheist babble. And it was one of those moments where, you know, sometimes you read a scripture and you're kind of like, in your head, you're thinking like, back up a minute, you know, like hold the horses. Did that just say what I think it just said, you know, and it was one of those moments where it was like, okay, read that again. No, that, that sounds like pretty powerful stuff. If I think about, you know, we were just talking about how many kids you have, you have young children. So if you're thinking about some of your youngest children in the middle of them having, you know, a cry meltdown, you know, about something, snot flinging out of their nose, like whatever the situation looks like, whether it's in our home or our car or at our church, you know, you might serve in a kid's classroom at church. And, you know, some of those moments where you're like, there's no way under the sun, this, this child is sanctified, you know, like, and holy and righteous. And yet to think about their simplest little utter of God is so good, or how great is our God, or, you know, super big, super strong, super wonderful, like that little tiny voice, scripture highlights that it has the power to silence the enemy. And I know for me, that was the day that my eyes were open to just realize that, okay, what I'm doing here with kids in worship, like, it's, it's not just checking a box and like, accomplishing it to say, we're having kids worship time at church. Like this is something legitimately powerful. It matters. It has a purpose. And I know for me, it was the, it was the beginning of just my eyes being opened, my understanding growing and a passion starting to burn within me to just say, let's help kids do this well, because it's in them to worship. Absolutely. I love those verses in Psalms and then how, uh, Jesus actually refers back to those verses and, and repeats those yeah. to, um, some of those who are like arguing with him. Like, do you see these kids are saying yeah. Jesus is like, yes. In Psalms, it says, you know, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So what does worship for kids look like? I mean, it can look like a lot of different things. Um, I, I think it's so important as parents to be intentional about what you're pressing play on, you know, and it's like, there's always a choice. And, you know, sometimes for me, the choice is different, whether my, I have two boys, one that's 11 and one that is five, almost six. And, you know, even the days where it's only my 11 year old in the car versus only my younger one in the car, I might, I might choose to play different, you know, songs for them. But um, I think it's important what you push play on in the car, because I, I've been reminded of this a couple of times just this past week. Um, last night on the drive home, my younger son 
he's he's always full of questions and it's just like he starts asking questions about lyrics that he's hearing in the song and i love that because it's like instantly that song becomes a conversation about faith and you know reinforcing a biblical truth and talking about it and so i think it's important for parents just to be aware and be intentional what they press play on because also what they hear over and over again they will start to randomly sing along to and it'd be the little melodies that get locked inside for them and and you know be intentional if you're just having a playtime they're in their room or whatever like turn on turn on a soundtrack that you want to be sealed away in their spirit because music is amazing it has sticky power it sticks with us and gets locked in our brain you know sometimes we're like when did that even get in there i don't even know it's been a long time and so you know during the play times during you know a time at home or are randomly uh, sometimes when i have one of my boys is going through something or whatever and i know that we know a song or you know i wrote a song about that subject or whatever you know when we read the bible together and there's something that we read and it's like okay i got a song to reinforce that then it's like i'll just press play on it and sometimes we just listen sometimes we just watch sometimes we sing along like it can look different but i, I it all comes back to being intentional yeah absolutely so how can we help teach our kids like what worship is and how to authentically worship at home well i man and this is so tricky because two depending on your church environment and what that looks like and what they might experience when they're there you know whether kids are in their own class whether kids are in with adults i think i i will i will speak candidly that one of my personal struggles when I consider the kids in with the parents scenario of church services is I'm like, well, what are they experiencing in that environment? What are they seeing the adults do? You know, what are those parents setting the standard for as to what's okay? Are they allowing that child to just sit in the chair on a little, you know, iPad or smart device? and be in the room while worship is happening or are they actually being invited to take part in that time are they actually looking around the room and seeing their parents engaged in worship you know are they looking around and seeing other adults participating because if they're not it's we're not really painting the best picture for them to help them experience that and grow and just even just um attached to it the right you know weight of what that represents um spiritually so man i think you know it's so simple it's like i um i've been doing this book with my boys that's no i don't even know who it's by but it's like the second there was one book by, that was all about theology and then they have done one about the psalms and so we've just been going through that and it just kind of highlights and talks about what each chapter in Psalms is about and maybe highlights a couple specific verses and help, helps them kind of like understand how they can pray that thing over their life or apply it. Um, but I think just in doing that, you know, even the Psalms are pretty easily digestible. So even if it started off as just you going through 
reading a psalm to your kids, talking about it, you know, at times having fun. And like, if you're, if your child can read, then like, let them make up a song to the words that they're reading, you know, and just, we know that they were all songs. So it's like, how do you think this one went? You know, like, was this a, was this a fun, happy, upbeat song? Was this a slow song? Like just kind of allowed them to make up their own song to go with it. But I think, you know, there, and another thing that I, I do with my boys, is like from time to time, I'll intentionally go to a worship, you know, night that happens, whether it's at our church or another church, or even sometimes at a concert arena downtown. But I know because of that type of artist um, that's fitting on that show, like what it's going to be. And it's like, I take my kids to that because I want them, I want them to see and experience it be around other people participating in worship. And I just think it's, it's the repetition in life. You know, it's not just like, okay, well, my family's going to talk about worship this quarter, you know, and then we're going to move on. We're going to talk about missions and like, it's going to be years before we ever talk about worship again. Like for me, it's just, it's a natural ebb and flow that just weaves in and out of life, you know, but I think if you, there's so many great things out there, um, like teaching series, you know, like books, like um, Chris Tallman has an amazing book called Holy Roar that's so simple to read, but I, I would recommend parents like pick that up and read it just to help you, you understand the different Hebrew words for praise, the action that goes with those. He always relates it to one of his songs. And I think that's a very easy way for you to kind of take something that might be familiar with you and kind of go, oh, okay, I get it in this light. And I think a parent going through that book just for themselves to just better understand worship would be amazing. Um, the Air I Breathe by Louis Giglio is another simple, easy book that it's just like, if you, if you're a parent and you're sitting there and you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I fully understand what worship is to break that down for my own kids. Then I would, I would suggest like, check those things out. There's, um, an amazing teaching by, um, a Canadian pastor named Daryl Johnson. He's an older gentleman and he preached this message called something changed in heaven. You can find it on YouTube type in Daryl Johnson, something changed in heaven. I heard him speak it at a different conference than what that recording is from, but it was literally one of those like mind blowing messages where you're just like, why have I never heard this before? You know? And I actually got to talk to him later that day after I'd heard him speak it. And I, I made that comment and he was like, it's in the Bible you know, <laughs> like nonchalant, nonchalantly, you know, like it's, I, I, I didn't make something up, you know, like it's just, it's in the Bible. And I've yet so many people just haven't done that study to like pull from scripture what's there. But I think diving in, whether it's a book or listening to some messages and just increase your own knowledge and understanding of worship. And I think as you do that, then You'll find ways to just kind of weave it into the ordinary parts of life with your kids to talk and, and teach them about it too. Yes, that's so important. And I, I love that idea of just digging into worship ourselves. And thank you for all these um, book and the sermon suggestion. That's um, yeah. 
That's so helpful. I will put those in the show notes for sure. Do you think parents need to be musical or feel confident in their own singing to teach their kids how to authentically worship? No, I don't think so. I don't, I mean, you know, it's like, if you, if you know that you're, you're tone deaf and it sounds like nails on a chalkboard when you open your mouth and like, you know, have a lip sync contest of worship (laughs) or something like that. Like you can be smart about it um, to make it not be painful for them. But no, you don't have to be, you don't have to be musical to get it. You know, luckily for us, the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. It doesn't say make a Celine Dion perfect, you know, pop vocal noise to the Lord. So he wants our heart. And worship is our response to who he is and what he's doing in our life. And so just learning to express that, whether it's something short and sweet, that's just a mini prayer, whether that's singing, whether that's lifting up our hands and surrender, closing our eyes, it's, it's about showing him, Hey, I get what you've done for me and I want to honor you and I want to draw close to you and just respond with the love and the appreciation that I have for what I've seen you do in my own life. And that's, that's what he's seeking and what he longs for. Um, I was thinking uh, a lot of times in a, in a family concert or when I'm leading worship at a camp or something, it's kind of day one early on. And I realized, wow, there's, you know, there's a lot that these kids don't know and don't get and don't understand about worship. And it's for me, it's kind of like, okay, let's start at the beginning here of teaching them this week. But I'll go through and just ask the kids like a series of questions. So I'll ask them, hey, how many of you would admit that you like it when your mom or dad comes up to you and gives you a hug and kiss and tells you that they love you? You know, kids will be raising their hand. I'll turn the table. I'll ask the adults, you know, like how many of you, love it when your kids come up to you and give you a hug and kiss and tell you that they love you. And of course, like the parents are like cheering, you know, excited. And I'll ask kids about their friends, you know, like, do you have a best friend? Is there like a friend that you plan play dates with and you invite to come over to your house and you plan to spend special time with, you know, and I'll ask the girls about getting compliments, you know, on their hair or, a new pair of shoes or, you know, wearing their favorite outfit that they just feel like extra cute in and like, you know, being out and about in the town where they live and like someone they don't know that's not related to them, you know, compliments them. I was like, oh my goodness, your shoes are so cute or your hair looks nice or, you know, whatever. And just, you know, it's that whole thing. It means more when it's like, not mom, <laughs> complimenting it. Um, and then I'll ask boys about playing sports and video games and just that feeling of winning a game and how good it feels, you know, when your opponent has to like surrender to your greatness and all this. And so I'll ask them a series of questions and then just kind of draw the parallel and say, okay, so I think it's safe to say that all of us, um, like to hear nice things said about who we are and the things that we do, you know, and everyone agrees. We like to receive compliments, you know, about those things. And we were created in the image of God. And just like we like to hear nice things said about who we are and the things that we do, God loves it when we say, Hey, I love you. You know, I'm going to choose right now to spend my time with you. Like let's hang out. 
you know, let's, let's get to know each other better. Like, thank you for how you've done, you know, fill in the blank for me. Like, thank you for what you did on the cross and how you rose from the dead and just the victory that I can have in my life because of what it is that you did. And just helping them realize that worship isn't just like this mandatory thing that has to happen at the beginning of a church service. But worship is like this relationship, you know, it's part of our relationship with, with our heavenly father and express that love, you know, express that intentional time, express that celebration, you know, use your words to, to speak out and declare as a testimony of what he's done for you. And, and that, that is what worship is. And the reason worship matters is because. God longs for that from us. He created us for that, to give him the worship that he deserves. And so I think just, you know, again, it's just helping draw all those parallels and break it down. I think that's so helpful. Like that is a conversation moms can have at home with their kids and just remembering to bring it back when, you know, um, one of the things in in the beginning of your book, you talk about how hard it can be to lead middle schoolers in worship. And so I know even with the preteens, sometimes with my own preteen, this, oh, do we have to, but just being able to bring them back to that conversation that you lead your kids through at camps, that's, that's can be a really powerful conversation. So I really love that. What are some other tips for parents who might have reluctant worshipers as kids? Well, I I mean, the biggest thing is find a way for them to experience more than what they've been accustomed to, you know? And so, you know, what worship looks like in your church and your home. And if you're not, if you're not happy with what their response is in regards to that. And, and, you know, find, find a way, like I was saying, take them to a worship night, you know, like take them to a concert, you know, where they're going to see people using their music to honor and glorify the Lord and seeing other people engaged in worship. Um, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, people perish for lack of knowledge. And we hear that verse used a whole lot in vision, you know, sort of, seasons and messages and whatnot. But I think you can use that verse as well to describe so many Christians in regards to what they know and understand about worship. And I think it's just because I I really don't think we talk about it enough, you know, like from time to time, yes, a church might have a message on worship or, you know, like it's, it's just this very segmented, like, well, if you weren't there for that one sermon, you know, if you weren't there for that one little message series that we haven't done in four years, you know, like you've, you've missed that opportunity. And I think it's just important to, to give the teaching and give the understanding of what it is, because I I can see that parallel that it's like, Hey, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Christians that aren't, even flourishing in their relationship with the Lord, how they could, because that component of worship is missing Mm -hmm. in their life, you know, or it's real lackluster. And so, you know, people perish for a lack of knowledge. So it's like, how can I increase that knowledge and that understanding and 
helping them see me be an example of that. I think that's such a huge thing with your kids. And even as your kids get older, I think what I, you know, at this point in my life, I've, I have a sister and, you know, both of us still love it. We were PKs and we still love Jesus and, you know, all that. We don't have a, a bunch of, a bunch of garbage <laughs> that we're lugging behind us. And so people will sometimes ask questions about like what my parents did. And when I try to reflect on it, to try to put into words, okay, what did they do? The biggest thing that stands out to me is repetition. There were certain things that they said and obviously certain things I saw them do over and over and over. And I think that steady commitment to it spoke volumes, yes. you know? Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's all the things that were unsaid, you know, right. <laughs> that really like melded it together to become like, yep, that's a thing in my life, you know? And so your repetition matters, you know, it's, it's something where it's like, you can't just listen to this, you know, podcast interview, be intentional about it for the next couple of weeks and then move on and expect that something awesome happened. It's kind of like, um, it's a lot like a flower bed, you know, like we all would love to have yard of the month, you know, or whatever in our neighborhood. If you're where you live, does something like that. But I mean, it's amazing. We we've, I mean, we've redone our flower beds. We redid them last year, you know, had paid people, had all this work done and still like, you know, one of the things that we were really annoyed by still instantly by the end of last summer, it's like, okay, those, those weeds are like still coming back, like so much faster than I want them to. And it's just that thing of like, we want it to just be magically perfect, but there's so much ongoing intentionality to pull the things that don't need to be there, spray the things that don't need to be there, you know, add some specific soil and nutrients and water. And, you know, it's, it's just this ongoing process to have that end result that you want to have of a beautiful landscape, you know, in your front yard. It's not just something where it's like, okay, well, I can work on it, you know, in April one time and then just expect that all summer long, it's just going to be, be awesome. Like that's not how it works. So I think, I think that would be what I want to highlight for those listening is just like, it's got to become a way of life and it's just got to become a natural part of your cycle of faith within your family as you lead them. And um, yeah, that's my suggestion. So good. So finally, um, your, you have a new book out, Sweet Sound, yes. right? And is it, it, is it a parent, is it a book that would help parents as well as ministry people or who is the audience? Yeah, for so book? all the above. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So I'll, I mean, being perfectly honest, I wrote the book for church leaders. Like that was who I wrote the book for. Um, that being said though, I know that, and, and especially the first like half to two thirds of the book is really just laying out a whole lot of what scripture says about it. The power of worship, you know, our response as Christ followers and worship, like Things, things about David's life, we see him be an example of it. So much of it really is, you know, theology based more than just practical church leading things. The last chunk of the book relates more to that. Um, it, but it's one of those things where it's like, I know that every individual that reads that message 
will be personally impacted and changed because their understanding of worship and why it matters and what it means and the power that's in it, you know, will be changed. And so I have had like a, quite a few moms that have told me, you know, they, they read the book and like, maybe they homeschool their kids or something. And they're like, this is going to shift and change how I do certain things or how I become more intentional about worship in our home and for our family. And so, um, so, you know, I didn't write it directly to parents, but I have no doubt you will get something out of it if you read it. So it's called Sweet Sound, The Power of Discipling Kids in Worship. And I've just read parts of it, but it was so good. And I definitely think that it would be helpful for families as well. So is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? Mm, man, I'm just thinking, I, I mean, my biggest challenge is just realize that what, well, let, let me, I'll, I'll tell this story actually. So I go to church with a lot of Australians and uh, like they're who started our church. And so one of the pastors was talking one time about Vegemite. Actually, I have a little jar of it right here. Um, he was talking about Vegemite and just how so often Americans, you know, will try Vegemite and find it disgusting and not very good. And yet the Australian like loves it. Like it's like the peanut butter and jelly, you know, of their culture. It's just the go-to food when you're in a hurry, when, you know, the pantry is kind of barren, you know, if money's tight, like I need a snack, like whatever it looks like they're rocking their Vegemite. And I actually went to Australia um, a number of years back, I was my, my late twenties, I guess when I was there. And I remember that first day being so excited to try Vegemite and slapped it on my toast and took a bite. And then it was like, Oh, that's disgusting. You know? And he was just talking about the, the difference of why the American, you know, adult will taste it and be like, that's disgusting. And the Australian loves it. And it's like their main comfort food. And he, he pointed out, he said, our palate was formed to love it, which I understood because I grew up in the South and grew up with something that was a treat to me called boiled peanuts, which, you know, some people are like, I've never heard of that. I've never tried it. That's disgusting. Um, if you go to the beach in Florida, like as you're getting closer and closer to the beach, you're going to find gas stations with these huge barrels out front that have boiled peanuts. But for, for me, it was something, especially because I lived in a place that didn't have that for a number of years. So when we would go visit grandma, go back, you know, it was a treat to get that. And, and it made me chuckle. Cause I'm like, I know for some people they're like, turn their nose up. Uh, Yancy, that's disgusting. But I'm like, I get it. Like my palate started eating that from a young age. I love it. I enjoy it. It's a treat to me. And so it got me thinking about this in regards to worship with kids of just like, how are you forming the palates under your care to love the presence of God and to love spending time with him in worship? And I realized if we can become so much more intentional about that from the time they're young, you know, like what's the playlist? You know, what's the songs that we play when we're trying to get the child to go to sleep, you know, when we're trying to bring peace to our home, you know, what are the things that we're allowing them to watch when, you know, we need to go take a shower and get dressed and, you know, have them 
watching something while we accomplish a task. Um, all of those like intentional choices, we're forming their palate to love the things of God, to love who he is, to love spending time in his presence. And so, you know, whether you're a church leader, whether you're a parent, you know, if we're talking about home, it still applies. How are you forming their palates to love his presence? Because I'm convinced if we can help them taste and see that he is good, they will hunger and thirst for more of him. And so that's my, my heart and my passion. And if you can pull up my music and if that can be, you know, a benefit to your family, I would love that and be, be grateful. I love being the soundtrack to your days. And so pull up some little praise party, pull up some Yancey music and just become more intentional. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And I, I grew up in Southern Virginia, so I okay. know all about boiled peanuts. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you're a long ways from home. I am. I am. Um, but so that, yeah, that's really powerful. And I love combining that verse taste and see with that idea of, um, forming their palate. Yeah. Yes. So thank you so much. If my listeners want to know more about you, find yeah. your book, um, follow you online, where are the best places for them to do that? For sure. On social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you can find me with the username of Yancey, not Nancy. So I'll spell out Yancey, not Nancy. Um, I have videos on my YouTube channel that your kids can watch. Uh, if you have memberships to Minnow or Right Now Media or Yippee, um, Pure Flix, a lot of different places as well. You can access my song videos there for your family. Uh, YanceyMinistries.com is my website. And if you want to learn more about the book, um, you can go to YanceyMinistries.com forward slash sweet sound. And that'll take you directly to the book. And it's available both in print form, but also audiobook and ebook. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know my, my kids have been talking about this for weeks and they're just like, Aww. mom, every meeting that I have, mom, is it with Yancey? Mom, is it with Yancey? So yeah. your, your celebrity has rubbed off on me a little bit. Well, give them my love. Well, thank give them you. Give high five for me. All right, I will. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. You bet. Thank you. Wow. What? incredible opportunity for me to chat with someone who is such a name in children's ministry and who leads kids into passionate, authentic musical worship. Such an amazing honor to have her here. I just want to point out a few of the things that she said that I thought were so impactful. And that was talking about the repetition and um, and how music has sticky. And so partnering those two, when we look at Deuteronomy 6 and the way that it guides us to teach our children about God through all the different parts of our day, when we're waking up, when we're going to bed, when we're on the road, when we're at home, all of those, that repetition matters. And she also says, weave it into the ordinary parts of life. And so that is so Deuteronomy 6. And so weaving in, not only teaching about God, but modeling praise and worship and all the different ways that that can look. She mostly focused on 
musical worship, but she also said that worship is our response to who he is and what he is doing in our lives and us learning to express that. And there are so many ways that we can express our gratitude and our response to God and what he's doing in our lives. And so your turn to play this week is go and playfully experience worship with your kids, whether it be music, creating music, singing to music, um, put on some Yancey music and worship with your kids and teach them over and over what that means and why we do it. Mamas, on behalf of God, thank you for loving and playing with his kids. Mamas, I am passionate about the Connected Families Framework and wanting to help you through parent coaching because it has changed the way I parent. I knew how to teach my kids about Jesus in all the good moments, in the fun, in the play, but I really struggled with discipline. I did not know how to love my kids well in moments of stress and misbehavior and disrespect. And yet, through the Connected Families Framework, I have learned how to love my kids unconditionally, even when they are not behaving. Do I do it perfectly? No. But do I do it better than I did a year ago or two years ago? Absolutely. And you can too. We can show our kids God's unconditional love and that they are called and capable and responsible for their action in loving ways and ways that will point them to the Lord and do all of that in times of discipline when we may want to yell and scream and lose it. But by connecting with God first in ourselves and knowing what's going on in us, we can then be equipped to show our kids grace and God's unconditional love, but holding them accountable to becoming the person God created them to be. And moms, I can help you do that through parent training. I call it discipleship through discipline. It's a four session package using the Connected Families Framework. And moms, I promise you it will work. Contact me today at joy at createdplay.com to find out more information of how you can sign up to work with me and become a more peaceful, purposeful, and playful parent. God wants to work through you, even in your child's misbehavior, to point them to him and his grace and truth. And mama, I want to come alongside you and help you to discipline your kids in a way that feels good and authentic to your faith. So contact me today for a free consult and let me support you as you disciple through discipline. Well, mamas, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me on Playfully Faithful Parenting. I'd love to keep the conversation going over on the socials. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you felt encouraged or equipped by today's show, do me a favor and leave a review. I can't wait to hear your story. Till next week. Keep playing and pointing those littles to Christ.